Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, joined by, as always, Harley Schultz. Harley, did you make it through week one alive? I guess you did. Well, I've made it through to Monday night so far. We've got one more game that uh, we'll be playing in the background here as we uh, as we kind of sweat out a few different things. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm alive. My, my back hurts a little bit. My hip hurts a little bit. My knee hurts a little bit. But that's just everyday life. But we're not going to need to put you on IR or anything like that, the way that the Washington football team did with Ryan Fitzpatrick or anything, right? Well, I like to think I've got a very uh, similar beard to Mr. Fitzpatrick. I don't have quite the same number of injuries as him. Although, I I think that I'm probably older than him. You probably have fewer interceptions also. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) So, I mean... There were some injuries this week. I don't think as many as maybe in the years past, or at least it doesn't seem that way to any of the big guys at least, but there was quite a few underperformances. Yes. So one of my favorite things, though, for week one is going to be to see what you have to say in, in the news, honestly. And then after the news, let's just tell our listeners what we're going to do is we're going to have two segments. Of course, we'll do our DFS segment. Um, we'll probably do that second. We'll finish with that. But in... You know, once we get out of the news, what we'll do is we'll do a segment kind of just taking a wide, you know, ranging look at what happened in week one and what we learned and what we should act on and what we shouldn't act on. How's that sound? Yeah, I think a lot of people may have been blinded by some uh, interesting things that happened on week one. So we'll try to steer you towards the light of what uh, what is reality and what is not reality. Yeah, kind of like week one better known as the final preseason game for some teams with that said i'm going to just go ahead and throw it over to mr harley schultz for this week's blitzed podcast news thank you steve both jalen rieger and devonta smith scored touchdowns sunday for the eagles we asked some fans after the game if they were excited by their pair of young wide receivers to which they replied we didn't know that you could throw the ball to someone lined up at the wide receiver position. <laughs> Popular preseason running back Ramondre Stevenson fumbled the ball on his first possession for New England in their matchup with Miami. After the fumble, Patriots coach Bill Belichick briefly vanished from the sidelines. After the game, we caught up with Bill to ask him where he went. His response was that he wanted to fire off Stevenson's release facts to the league office before he had a chance to reconsider. (laughs) In what had to be a surprise to everyone who drafted him this preseason, Trey Sermon was a healthy scratch by San Francisco prior to Sunday's game. This set up Raheem Mostert to post a presumed ridiculous stat line against a futile Detroit defense. Unfortunately, Mostert left the game early due to injury, which should come as no surprise to anyone who has ever had him rostered during his brief career. In their absence, Elijah Mitchell, 
went ham, and even Jamichael Hasty scored a touchdown. Of course, taking this all into account, we can clearly announce that Kyle Jusick is the only back to start next week for San Francisco due to standard Shanahanigans. <laughs> Jay Glazer of Fox Sports is reporting that the Houston Texans turned down an offer of three first and three third round picks for Deshaun Watson prior to this spring's NFL draft. I mean, who would want six high picks when you could just, uh, you know, make your quarterback a healthy scratch each week and still pay him all of his money and uh, then eventually losing the free agency, getting nothing thing in return anyways, right? <laughs> and finally, after an embarrassing loss to the Saints Sunday afternoon, Aaron Rodgers was asked if he wished that he had retired and taken the Jeopardy job offer. His response, what is yes, Alex? <laughs> this has been the BPN News Update. Well done, well done. That was a good one. That was a good one to get that one rolled in there, and I think you did it well. I was kind of wondering where you were going with the whole 49ers running back situation, but i got to be honest with you. Shenanigans, Shanahanigans, I don't even know what the hell you said, but it was that was worth it. That was a good one. Well, let's think about this here. Every year it's the same thing. I mean, someone's going to go out and blow their entire fab budget on Elijah Mitchell this week. Well, yeah. And we know for a fact that they're going to activate Jeff Wilson off the IR, and he's See, going to go out there and have 100 yards and two touchdowns. That's what I was expecting you to roll to. I was expecting you to say something about Jeff Wilson will be the one that leads the backfield with 30 carries for 180 yards and three touchdowns. That's something along the lines I, I of what thought, I was expecting. I thought about but I think even he's too injured to play. <laughs> he is. Um, so you know what? Let's make that the first thing we roll into when we take a wide-ranging look at week one. Sometimes are we better off knowing less than knowing more? And what I mean by that is, I didn't have Raheem Mostert in any of my DFS lineups, but guess what I did as soon as I heard that Trey Sermon was inactive? <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> who else? Right there you, with you. And how many other people do you think did the same thing? That's kind of where... Everybody. We, yeah, Everybody we, we all would have been much better off had we not known that that happened. Well, there was a lot of interesting news along those like. Zach Moss being a uh, late, healthy scratch. Uh, a lot of people swung yeah. in Devin Singletary to the laps, and he, he did slightly better than Mostert. Obviously played the full game, had 73 yards rushing, so it wasn't a total loss in his case. But, again, at the price you paid for him, there were a lot better options out there. Yeah. Uh, Mostert, uh, Mostert killed my teams in a lot of DFS. I know he was actually my sleeper play last week. Uh, James Robinson, the same. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that that one's a big question mark there is, is how long does Urban Meyer have this job before he's let go? He, uh, I don't know. Does he make it through the end of this week? I was going is to you, say, maybe he'll quit and just take the USC out. Yeah, I was say, is, is USC, you know, calling? Uh, I don't know, but they have an opening now. Yeah, <laughs> I think that the prevailing wisdom is that nobody's going to be shocked that that happens. I think he's going to make it through the season. Uh, well, so that means he's going to uh, – he still needs one other season after that to, to bypass the likes of uh, Chip Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> True. So, okay, so what are you going to do at the San Francisco running back spot? Are you going to invest in Elijah Mitchell or are you going to buy low on Trey Sermon from somebody? Because I think that's what I would do. I, I think you have to. And the excuse that Shanahan gave for why – Sermon didn't play and why Brandon Ayuk was basically not used at all 
was, was it, it was just lame. <laughs> yeah. I, I was shocked by the Ayuk stuff, non stuff too, honestly. Um, very shocked. I mean, again, I actually, I, I kind of liked Trent Sherfield based on his performance in spring, this uh, spring in preseason this year. I, th- I thought he had a chance to be a adequate wide receiver three there for them. But I, I think a lot of people were concerned. Well, it's go, you got to get the split between George Kittle, Ayuk, yep. uh, and Debo Samuel. Well, what we found was it was Debo Samuel followed by Debo Samuel followed by more Debo Samuel, uh, a smattering of George Kittle and Trent Sherfield. Yes, and like uh, what happened to Brandon Ayuk? <laughs> Well, and, and I mean, honestly, with the way that <coughs> offense is situated, who you really wouldn't expect a wide receiver three to really pay off, right? Because Kittle's technically, you could look at him as your wide receiver one A or B in, in so many terms. And then you know that the running backs are going to get theirs. Um, I'll be honest with you. Kyle Jusex is even a guy, Jusek's even a guy that in a best ball league, you're rounding out your roster and you're like, eh, I just need somebody I know that could occasionally score a touchdown here or there. He's that guy that could score four or five touchdowns for you. Um, so, you know, he's always going to take a few few plays a game that you're not expecting, you know, to go to him. So, I mean, I don't know. But, yeah, if you're really desperate, okay, I see the Elijah Mitchell thing. But for me, I think that's going to be an overpay versus what you're going to get from him going forward. And Mostert, Mostert's not out for the season, right? That's correct. And, again, I – I know people have already asked me how what percentage of their budget they should throw at Elijah Mitchell this week, and my answer to them is zero percent. Yeah, because if you throw ten percent, you're not going to get him. Somebody's going to overpay dramatically. I'm out. Harley's out. Are you in on trying to trade for Trey Sermon cheap if you can get him for pennies on the dollar? Oh hell yeah. Okay, good. I'm with you. What wide receiver would you flip for Trey Sermon? Ooh, hey, put me on the spot on that one. Uh... Uh, while we're watching the Raiders and uh, uh, Ravens right now, how about a guy like, say, Henry Ruggs before you see or Brian him. Edwards? See, it's tough to say that before they play because if they go off, then people are going to say, that's what I want. And if they don't, they're going to be like, well, I still think they can do it. I think you find a guy that overperformed this past week that has relatively you know, some, some upside that you might expect them to have, and you flip that. Do I know who that guy is off the top of my head without looking at everything? No, I don't. Because it's going to differ league. Sterling Shepard. Sterling it's Shepherd. Sterling Shepard. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? Sterling Shepard's a perfect example. Um, even maybe, um, I'm going to say Paris Campbell, but I don't mean Paris Campbell. Um, Zach Pascal. Zach huh? Pascal, yes. I always confuse the two of them. Zach Pascal may be somebody to do that with. Um, it's worth it. It's worth a shot. The, the reason I brought up the Raiders, beside the fact that they're on TV in the background here, is because seriously, going forward this season – are you ever really going to feel comfortable choosing one of those Raiders receivers? Because you never know week to week which one's going to be the guy. <laughs> yeah, likely not, quite honestly. Likely not. But they're probably going to be your wide receiver three or four, hopefully. Um, so who else at running back? What, what shocked you? I know that I've got one spot that really shocked me, but let's see what you got first. Well, I, I think the James Robinson usage was just ridiculous. Again, we talked a little bit about Urban Meyer a little bit ago. Uh, you've got a guy who was a top 10 running back as a, as a rookie, uh, basically I mean, bottom of the draft, if, if drafted at all last season, went out there and performed really, really well. The team shocked everyone and raced, wasted a 
high draft pick on Travis Etienne this offseason. And obviously Etienne goes down. So everyone assumes James Robinson's going to revert back to being the super stud that he was last year. And then he didn't see a touch until the second quarter. Yeah, I was going to say, how about just 70% of what he did last year would have been nice. Exactly. Yeah, I'm with and, you. And it's, it's not like they were like working in somebody like ATN, giving him some play. Nope. No, they turned the ball to Carlos. freaking Carlos Hyde. Yeah. <laughs> Explain this one to me. I can't. It's unexplainable. Um, but yes, Carlos Hyde led that backfield and carries almost 2-1 to one to, to James Robinson. Um, it not look nine carries for 44 yards. That's not not respectable, but you, you just I expected Robinson to be much more involved. Quite honestly, um, I mean DJ Chark, three catches for 86 and a touchdown. The long touchdown saved his day. The plus the plus there is that he had 12 targets. Yeah, I, I think when you look at that whole game, though, I mean, we we all have to be a little surprised by Houston's performance. Yes. I did pick Houston to win outright, um, so I thought that that was something that could happen. I, I think Tyrod's serviceable, and I thought Jacksonville could be just not good enough to be beat. But what I did not see was Mark Ingram having more carries than Tyrod Taylor, Philip Lindsay, and David Johnson all combined. Well, I think that uh, Mark Ingram is, at this point, still in his career— still the best running back on that team. I think David Johnson washed himself out a couple of years ago. I think Philip Lindsay probably has more talent than Mark Ingram, but I think Ingram is, is just a little bit more secure in his, his role, at least as kind of that veteran uh, nose to the grind up the middle uh, running back, which is what they really needed in this mm-hmm. game because they're assaulting away a huge lead. Something we never thought we'd see happen with Houston this year. Very true. So, knowing that they're probably not going to be salting away very many leads, what part of your free agent budget do you spend on Mike Mark Ingram while everybody else is running out for Elijah Mitchell? Zero. Because, again, I'm not counting on Mark Ingram to be more than a nine-carry, 45- to 50-yard back that may occasionally get a touchdown. And he's certainly not going to be someone I'm going to be comfortable starting as a running back or one or running back two. I'm, I'm not even comfortable starting him as a flex play. I think when they start to get behind in games, we're going to see more and more of Philip Lindsay. So, again, if someone has Philip Lindsay and they're upset with his production from this past week, I, I would rather offer that player a third-round rookie draft pick next season for Lindsay than waste any free agent money on an Ingram. Yeah, I'm pretty much with you. I mean, we may see... Ingram barely scratched what he had carry-wise in the first week over his next two to three games. Exactly. And again, even if you don't trust Philip Lindsay, David Johnson is also a yep. much better receiving back than Mark Ingram is at this point in their careers. So if, if you believe David Johnson is the soon-to-be focus point of that offense, I would rather have him than... Ingram too. And I think that's where I look at the stats and go, yep, see, that's where you read between the lines and you go, okay, Ingram had 26 carries. Philip Lindsay had eight. Johnson had three. Again, look at the game script. They're not going to be salting away many games. And you go to the receiving totals. David Johnson had four targets. Philip Lindsay had yes. one. Mark Ingram had one. So when they're down by 17, 24 points in games, 
who's going to be getting the most play? It's David Johnson. So I, I'm with you. I may spend a little bit if you have a really thin bench and you're looking for that bye week or, or late injury replacement if needed for Mark Ingram, but no more than a dollar or two, five tops if, if it's a hundred dollar budget. Well, I, I think if you're the guy who rostered uh, both J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and watched them both go in consecutive weeks, I'd probably feel better going with Ingram than, say, sure. taking a chance on a Devonta Freeman or a Le'Veon Bell getting some play there. I mean, I, I think in that situation there, we'll, we'll see as the game plays on tonight how much play Latavius Murray gets. But, I mean, again, I that that might be one of the few situations where I'd say, okay, yeah, I suppose I probably should put a couple bucks towards Ingram. But I don't know. This is just so... For, for a change, I feel like there's actually enough running back twos on on rosters, like backup running backs that actually yeah. have a big enough role that you can get either on free agency or to, to kind of like drape the bottom of your board that wasting a wasting a spot that you would want to actually play someone from, like a.k.a. starting running back. I mean, you might be tempted to play Mark Ingram if you have him on your team. And it's never a good idea to be tempted to play a guy who's right. going to be a negative game script. Exactly. I mean, yes, I, I don't disagree with you there. So talking running back, I mean, you're, okay, we've been talking replacement level running backs, bye week type running backs. Um, upside, we don't sure, we're not sure how much. Downside, we're not sure how much. But what about Zeke Elliott? <laughs> well, I, I think after Thursday, everyone was anxious to put out low ball offers to try to trade for Zeke. And if you're a Zeke owner, I hope you just kind of like shrug it off and, uh, and A, don't take it as a serious offer and B, don't take it as an insult offer because they're just trying to do what they think they should try to do, which is try to get them on the cheap. But you're not, if you're smart, you're not selling Zeke for pennies right now. His schedule uh, from running standpoint is going to be gorgeous over the next month and a half. So I think you have to at least run out of that. Now, if, if after another week or two, the game script of the Cowboys is 90% pass, 10% run continuously, then maybe you got to start worrying and, and start looking at pennies on the dollar on Zeke. But I say give him two more weeks, see what he does. I think he's going to be just fine. I, I tend to agree. It's there's no reason to sell low, um, and you drafted him where you drafted him. So at this point, you gotta you gotta just force him in the lineup and see what happens, and then make the decisions after you get a little more to to go on. From a projection standpoint, I'll be honest. I hate the first three weeks of a season, um, especially on the defensive side. It's just hard to do. There's no trends. You're not sure what the the game scripts are and how that impacted something early, you know, in week one and versus week two, you, you see it go from one end of the spectrum to the other. But with a guy like Zeke, you, you know what you have. Um, sure, Tony Powell is there. Wouldn't be shocked if he took some value from him, but you don't overreact to that in week one with Zeke, just as you don't re overreact to um, Derrick Henry having a bad week. I wasn't huge on Derrick Henry coming into the season. I didn't want to spend a top five draft pick on him. But somebody did, and you're still going to get decent value from him as long as he's not hurt, but you don't overreact to his week one either. I, I think that was probably more shocking than the Zeke play this week. Uh, I mean, you could tell really, really early on in the Tampa Bay-Dallas game that uh, 
Dallas had no desire to run the ball. Uh, they weren't even attempting to establish a running game there. Uh, they thought for certain they would have to throw it constantly to keep up with Tom Brady. Now, in the Tennessee game, I, I have no explanation for that game script there. I, I think we both expected both sides to just come out shooting, throwing the ball downfield. But I didn't expect Tennessee to completely abandon the run in the first half. Yeah, I mean, at one point I thought, am I going to get to say at the end of today, am I going to be able to tweet, Julio Jones had as many catches for the Falcons as he did for the Titans today? <laughs> I mean, it was going that way. It was going that way for a while. So, um, yeah, um, six targets, three catches for 29 yards for Jones in his debut, not the most stellar thing. Um, or, or maybe we look at it as the fact that Arizona has improved their secondary. I mean, I, I well, didn't think that they had, but uh, they must have. In all honesty, I've said this before on some radio shows I've done, what helps a secondary most other than well, having, a pass rush that has one guy getting five sacks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and what helps? And what helps a pass rush? A good defense, a good secondary that can cover. Um, but yeah, Chandler Jones was just otherworldly yesterday. That was just absurd. I mean, I'm sure that our other defensive ends and linebackers have had huge sack performances in a game. I I, I don't personally know what the record is for sacks in a game. But five has got to be pretty close to it. It's a lot. He, I saw a stat that said something about he is the only player in the last 20 years to record, I think, five sacks and multiple fumbles forced in a game. Um, the only one. Something along those lines. Don't quote me on that specifically, but there was something he did. I, I should probably know the sack record. I want to say I think it's eight um, to the former Kansas City Chiefs. Um, um, wonderful pass rusher. And why is his name escaping me? Um, goodness, I feel horrible. He passed away. Oh yeah, <laughs> same thing here. It should it shouldn't be escaping me either. No, it should not escape you, sir. Derek, something yeah, right? Derek, De Derek uh, Brooks. De no, not Derek Brooks. No, Derek Brooks is Tampa. Yes. Uh, <laughs> damn it, I I can picture him. <laughs> yeah, I can too. Um, I can picture him sacking the quarterback. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm going to find out right now. Well, and, and so I, I'm just Derek I'm Thomas, thinking to Derek Thomas. Every, our listeners yes. are going. Our listeners are, are screaming into their mic into their headsets. Derek Thomas, Thomas, yeah, Derek Thomas. Derek Thomas was an incredible, incredible pass rusher. There's, there's no denying that, and I, I feel ashamed for forgetting his name. I know. So do I. But again, I mean, it, it shows how. Uh, even just a couple of years, you can kind of forget about players. Like, uh, do you remember Olandis Gary? Someone brought him up on Twitter this week. I do remember Olandis Gary, and I, I stand corrected because I looked it up. Derek Thomas does still hold the record for most sacks in a game um, with seven. Ooh. And That's a pretty good game. And if this is correct, which I can't guarantee because I haven't researched it, but it says also nobody else has been able to even get 6.5. Well, I was going to say, I, I'm trying to think of uh, anyone in, in modern time. I mean, you, you see all these like high, high, high draft pick players now who are being drafted as, as edge rushers. I mean, even just 10 years ago or so, you were having people drafted as defensive ends. 
Yep. But they weren't being drafted as specialty rushers. They weren't being drafted as guys who would be maybe uh, standing up in a 4-3 or something like that, too. Or a 3-4, th- I mean. So this is, I hate to admit this, but I own Chandler Jones in a league. I start him 99% of the time over the past few years. Of course, he was hurt last year. I did not start him yesterday. Luckily, it's not going to cost me a win. I just had to say that. So here are your top three, four, five performers all time in single season sack totals, single game sack totals. Derek Thomas is in first place with seven. One, two, three, four guys are tied next with six each. Derek Thomas, Ozzy Yuminora, Fred Dean, and Adrian Claiborne. Fred Dean, that sounds like the guy working at your local Super America. I think Fred Dean was the guy that did Hunter or something like that, didn't he? Isn't that him? <laughs> Perhaps. Am I thinking of the wrong guy? Are you thinking of Richard Dean Stanton, who played MacGyver? No, I'm not thinking of Richard Dean Stanton. <laughs> I'm thinking of a defensive end. Yeah, and I'm getting him confused. He played for the Rams. Uh, Fred Dean, that's not him. Um, and I... I, I feel bad that I got him mixed up. Um, <sighs> we should just stop and record the entire show all over. People are looking at us like we're idiots. Um, anyway, let's move on. What else you want to talk about? Well, I, I think that we would be amiss to not talk about the slow start that the Green Bay Packers had this week. I'm sorry. And by the way, it was Fred Dreyer that I was thinking of. Um, I'm I would have never come up with that name. I'm sorry. Did the Packers play? They didn't have a bye in week one? Well, I'm pretty sure that they still thought this was preseason week four. Yeah. So the starters didn't get a lot of run. We saw a lot of Jordan Love and a lot of A.J. Dillon and very, very little of Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that just, man, didn't see that coming. Just going to be honest, did not see that coming. Um, and I hate to say this too, I have Jameis Winston in a league that I started him in, Superflex, 42-plus points, and I still lost. <laughs> well, so I, I had a Superflex best ball league where Aaron Rodgers was one of my two top quarterbacks along with Jameis Winston. Well, so Jameis Winston qualified. Rodgers obviously didn't. Fortunately, my... Two reserve quarterbacks uh, played pretty good. That was Tyrod Taylor and Jared Goff. I ended up getting Goff's performance as my second quarterback this week. You hey, speaking of Goff, um, I know one of the things we talked about you know, prior to the season starting was who is he going to throw the ball to? The answer is evidently TJ Hawkinson and running backs. Yeah, we saw a lot. Well, that's kind of a surprise too now. So right before the game, we get the announcement that Jamal Williams is starting at running back. So, again, I think a few uh, DFS players immediately ran out because DeAndre Swift was a popular play going into this week. Yep. And and now all of a sudden people were like, uh, what? (laughs) They weren't expecting that change to happen. And both Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift were pretty good, which leads me to wonder, are are we going to have a similar situation to – like in, in with the uh, former San Diego Chargers, when we had Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, they're both uh, being startable each week. Possibly. Um, I do think Swift should probably separate a little bit. But, I mean, look, there's a few things to take from this. One, Hawkinson was second on the team in targets with 10. 
eight ninety seven and one. Can't complain about that. Swift was second um, total receiving wise, but he had eleven targets, which led the team. Eight for sixty five and a touchdown. You're like, wow, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. Look, you can't take plays away; they happen. But you can still look at them for context. He had a forty three yarder. That means he was seven for twenty two. Well, I think you can also look at it from this standpoint. Hawkinson had a great game, too. Got a ton of targets, despite being in a really bad matchup. We actually talked about I think we both had him as our stay away last week. Yep. And he actually performed even in a bad matchup. Well, uh, popular sleeper play this that week, uh, rookie Kyle Pitts. Well, his performance was definitely yes. in the pits. Yeah. And then Jamal Williams was the third person in, in targets. He had nine. And he went eight for 56. So... Um, yeah, I'm not going to overreact to Williams starting over Swift. I think they're both startable going forward. Swift is more of an RB2 that's got RB1 upside, and Williams you could probably start in a flex and RB2 if you have injuries or something like that. But this is a great example, though. Of you can have a running back on a bad team, and he's still playworthy if that back is going to be involved in the passing game, Yes, which is something Mark Ingram in Houston is not going to be. Correct. And honestly, if the Titans were horrible and always going to play from behind, Derrick Henry would not be a top-five option if they could not give commit to giving him the ball 20-plus times a game. Exactly. So, um, And, yeah, wide receiver-wise, uh, yeah, there's nothing worth looking at there right now. Yeah, I mean, nothing really shocking at the wide receiver position this week. I think we kind of saw what we expected to see out of a lot of things. Other than obviously the Philadelphia Eagles actually completing a pass to a wide receiver, yeah. But uh, they've got a couple of talented guys there now, so they might have a chance. So let's let's talk Eagles real fast. Um, what about the whole Goddard Ertz situation? Oh, we got a whole lot of no answers there <laughs> after week one. Yeah, uh, at first it looked like Ertz had gone down, had a problem with I believe it's a groin or or something along those lines, soft tissue injury, but he did wind up coming back in. If he would have been out, that helps you to go, okay, I feel safe going with Goddard. But, look, Goddard had five targets. Ertz had two. Goddard was four for 42 with a touchdown that probably wasn't, and and Ertz was two for 34. But I could easily see that swinging week in, week out, depending on matchups and stuff at this point. I wouldn't feel comfortable with with Goddard as a plug-and-play type tight end at this point yet. No, I, I'm I'm a little concerned about that. But since we are talking talking since we are talking tight tight ends, I can say that phrase, can't I? Yep. Yeah, tight ends. How about the uh, tight end situation down in New Orleans? There, I know that a lot of people were high on Juwan Johnson after Adam Troutman sustained an injury a couple weeks ago. Well, we weren't expecting Troutman to play this week uh, as of two weeks ago, and uh, strangely enough, he played and he led the team in targets. But it was Juwan Johnson that basically uh, pulled a Dennis Rodman and pulled down two huge rebounds in the end zone for touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, what it comes down to is, for me, Johnson had three targets, three catches, 21 yards. Luckily, two of those catches were in the end zone. That's not sustainable unless your name's Robert Tanyan. Um, Oh, wait a minute. That wasn't sustainable this week either, was it? So... No, I'm not going overboard on Johnson. Is he worth throwing a buck or two if you waited on tight end and get one of the t- didn't get one of the top fives, five or six? Sure, do it. Um, I wouldn't throw in the towel on Troutman yet. I mean, Winston only threw the ball 20 times. 
he'll be throwing the ball a lot more than that in games this year. So could have some added value to both of them, but neither one of them are going to be consistent in my mind. There'll be streamers. Well, I, I, I kind of look at the Juwan Johnson performance and think about <clears throat> the performances that Donald Parham had in the XFL. And it kind of had that same role, just giant tight end over the middle, catching passes because he was one of the better options on the field. Uh, at some point this season, the Saints are going to get Michael Thomas back. At some point this season, they're going to get Traquan Smith back. Uh, at some point this season, Marquez Kellaway won't be shadowed by Jair Alexander. <laughs> There's going to be better options for Winston to throw the ball to than either Troutman or Juwan Johnson. Yep. So the person I thought you were going to mention when you said tight end after we were talking about the Philly tight ends was in the same game, and that's Kyle Pitts, who had a very uneventful rookie start of four catches for 31 yards. Um he had eight targets, which led the team. I was going to say, I felt like he was targeted quite a bit, though. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was targeted as much as Calvin Ridley was. I'll be honest with you, that's the game I focused on and watched. Um, I was shocked at halftime that the Falcons only had six points. Um, it felt like they should have had more. It felt like they were offensively, they were playing well. They just weren't finishing. Um, Eagles defense did play well. I, at the end of the day, what I saw on the field doesn't match the score, per se. I would not worry about Pitts. Um, I think I said a preseason, you didn't get much upside with where you drafted him. You drafted him at his ceiling. So, you know, there's that. Um, from that same game, though, um, Mike Davis, I think some people are probably going to look at that and want to take a victory lap and feel like, well, Corderell Patterson only had seven carries, you know, and, and he had more than double that, and he was involved in the passing game. He had three catches, but he had six targets. Here's the thing. Wayne Gauman was inactive this week, so we don't really know what that split's still going to look like. Well, if you watched that game a little closer than I did, obviously, can you tell me wh where in the milk carton was Russell Gage? Um, you know, I, no, I can't tell you specifically. Because I, honestly, I was watching more of Mike, Mike Davis and um, Calvin Ridley and, and Pitts. But didn't Gage sustain an injury or have a small injury in there? Or am I confusing him with someone else? Uh, that's I don't know. I mean, again, I was not paying close enough attention to that game. I actually had a lot of Russell Gage at wide receiver three in DFS this week uh, based on uh, his projections. Again, he was a huge part of that offense at the end of last season, and I thought that he would still be a part of it even with Pitts there. But, I mean, I, I don't remember him getting targeted once. I mean, he might have one, he might have had one target this week. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because, you know, you get, you get so many games confused or certain players that remind you of other players. Um, he had two targets, no catches. Um, I, I do. I want to say I think that he left the game hurt. I just honestly cannot remember. So, uh, speaking of injuries, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's injury. Uh, Taylor Heineke took over at quarterback, didn't do a ton for the Washington football team. Uh, how does Heineke's presence there uh, up? How is that going to affect guys like McLaurin and uh, Dammy Brown and eventually Curtis Samuel when he returns, J.D. McKissick, Antonio Gibson? Are, are any of those players uh, going to be negatively affected severely by this? Or do you think Washington goes out and signs another veteran quarterback? No, I don't think that they're – well, I don't think they're necessarily going to sign a veteran quarterback because, one, Fitzpatrick's not out for the season, at least not yet. I think that it's a hit on all those offensive players, honestly. Um, 
but not enough that I'm going to try and dump McLaren or something like that. But I think that, you know, McLaren's still going to get his. I believe that Gibson's still going to get his. You'll you'll have to pair them back a little bit. Where it's going to hurt is the Diami Browns, the Curtis Samuels, those fringe, maybe even the Logan Thomases of the world, where they're going to back up just a little more so than, than you would have expected. Yeah, well, here's hoping that doesn't happen because – I've got a lot of best ball shares of Logan Thomas and Dammy Brown, so I, I would like to see those guys get uh, get their uh, positive performances going forward. Completely understand, but yeah, I think you got to hope that that um, Fitz gets back sooner than later. Just I'm not impressed by Heineke. He did an admirable job, and his quarterback rating, was, his passer rating rather, um, was pretty good this week. I think he was over 100 actually. Um, but I just I'm not inspired if that makes any sense. Well, I mean, a lot of people on Twitter are saying, "Well, why don't the Redskins go out and sign Cam Newton?" And uh, I, realistically, I don't know if at this point in his career, Cam Newton is that much of a step up from Taylor Heineke. Yeah, Heineke had a passer rating of one nineteen point three. Um, however, the one thing I will say to the Cam Newton thing is, Ron Rivera, he knows what he is. He knows how to use him. Hopefully. Maybe, exactly, maybe but I think I mean him. what he knows of of Cam Newton is his time in Carolina when he was still more of a rushing quarterback. And True. again, I don't think that Cam Newton is even it, it, remaining health skill set wise that he could be an effective yeah. running feature quarterback. I mean, and would you really want that even when you've got a very good running back in Antonio Gibson there already? True. That would be a that would be a hard thing to swallow if cam did sign for any gibson owners one last thing i think i'd like to talk about before we break into the wider uh, before we break into the dfs is the rookie wide receivers once again great week for them uh first week uh, a lot of the high-end rookie draft pick wide receivers going out there and performing really well second year in a row now we've seen that is, is this going to be the trend going forward that uh we're normally in the past we'd have to wait two or three years to see wide receivers start performing in the upper echelon? Or are we going to start seeing a wide receiver one breaking out from every single class going forward? I don't know if you can say from every single class, but I definitely think that the way that the game's played at the college level now definitely helps wide receivers transition better to the NFL um, from, from the get-go versus taking that two to three years like it used to. And yeah, I can't find anything on Russell Gates. Show. I don't, I, I'm probably confusing him <laughs> with somebody else in another game I was watching that got hurt that reminded me of the way Russell Gage was as a, as a secondary wide receiver, but he just, he didn't jump out at me on the, on the game while I was watching it. So. Well, apparently he didn't jump out to for Matt Ryan either because true. <laughs> catch a pass. Very true. Okay. Anybody else you want to touch on before we move into DFS for the week? I think we hit a bunch of them there and it's probably a good grouping. Uh, the rookie wide receivers, rookie quarterbacks, uh, it was great to see all the rookie, uh, the featured rookie quarterbacks in this uh, first round class all score. This week was kind of cool. Yep, that it was. That it was. Um, okay, so biggest reaction we'll say to week one is don't overreact. Exactly. And don't go spend all your budget on Elijah McC- McCain. McCain or Mitchell or yeah. Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm getting old. P- PTSD. No, what is it? That I couldn't remember Derek Thomas's last name. I feel upset about that. At so. least, hey, at least, I knew, <laughs> at least I knew his first name. I'm not the Kansas City fan here in the house. You are. 
Well, you, you didn't really like, le- you were kind of leading me towards Casey. You weren't like, I, I didn't like you, what genre, what, what era you were talking about. Oh, come on. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you off the hook. But what I'm not going to let you off on the hook on is DFS. Give me a number. What are we going to, going to match on? Okay. Let me take a quick look here. I see, I see six matches this week. You see six. One. I got to take the under. Okay. Don't feel good about it. Don't feel good about it. Too many options at a couple spots. So for those that don't know, Harley and I do not discuss our thoughts on our DFS. Actually, we don't discuss much of anything prior to us recording. Um, so I don't know what he likes, dislikes, etc. And he doesn't know what I like, dislike, etc. So now that's why we asked for the over-under just for fun. And then what we're going to do is we're going to give you a pay-up, a stay-away, and a value play. And some of those parameters are gray. And I'm going to say that what I mean by that is it won't happen often, but let's say we have a running back that's valued at $10,000 and he's the highest paid running back on the field. And you go, Harley says, well, I'm paying up for Christian McCaffrey, $10,000. I'm like, cool. I'm paying up for such and such. Harley, who's your value play? Christian McCaffrey. But wait a minute. He's $10,000. But Steve, I think he's going to score 40 points. That's where he thinks he's a value. So just setting that out there for you. But we're going to start with exactly. We're going to start with my favorite position, quarterbacks. Kidding. <laughs> Who are you going to pay up for this week? Well, I'm just going to go ahead and take the top guy on the list this week, Kyler Murray, uh, at home versus Minnesota. Minnesota's run defense is obviously better than it was last year, uh, but their secondary was absolutely torched twice last week. Kyler's eminently more mobile than Joe Burrow. So even the Minnesota pass rush, which is improved, might have some problems keeping Kyler in, in place. And, and Minnesota is just, they're, they're not going to be able to stick with DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, and those guys uh, for the entire breakdown of Kyler Murray moving around in the pocket. So uh, Murray had a great game last week. Do I expect him to repeat last week's line? Probably not. That was a, an absurdly good game. But he's still going to finish as the top quarterback, and he just happens to be the top-priced one, too. So, yes, first initials I wrote down on my sheet, KM for Kyler Murray. But I'm like $8,200 at DraftKings. Russell Wilson's only 7500 I can pay up and save a few bucks. Love that Russ is at home against a team that Kyler just torched, right? And Russ, yep. Russ can be just as mobile. But wait a minute, Josh Allen's cheaper than Russ. Mm-hmm. And he's on the road, but uh, he's playing Miami. They should have a good defense. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't Miami just go let Mac go 29 for 39 for 281 and one in his first ever NFL start? Oh, Josh Allen looks pretty tempting because he could always run one or two in also. And that saves me $1,000. Oh, but man. The old man, Tom Brady, 6,900 against That's Tampa. such a nice, nice matchup. Tampa there, yeah. Bay? You gotta be kidding me! I gotta pay up for that because I'm saving thirteen hundred dollars now. But wait a minute, maybe he should be my value play. I don't know, and I'm sitting here scratching my head and I look and I go, Jalen Hurts is sixty five hundred dollars against San Francisco. What did Jared Goff do against San Francisco? Whoa! Wait a minute, Jared, J- Jalen Hurts. Even if he has his doesn't have as good a passing day, he can add some yards on the. Gr- I'm going with Jalen Hurts as my pay up at sixty five hundred dollars. 
Uh, you know, it, it's still San Francisco. Jared Goff, basically, people are going to look at that line and see the final score and not realize that a lot of that production was still garbage time production. Yes, it was. Even though they made it close enough that it wasn't quite garbage time. Correct. I mean, and he threw the ball 59 times. So Exactly. <laughs> if, like, honestly, I can see making lineups with any of those, those quarterbacks I just said. Exactly. Uh, it's ironic, though. One of the guys you skipped over is, in fact, my stay away. And that's Dak Prescott uh, traveling to face the Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim. Well, after finishing last season, having allowed the seventh fewest passing yards, Los Angeles started this season holding the combination of Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke to a league low 135 passing yards week one. Uh, I, I don't like the price. And I think that everyone's going to be expecting Dak to come out there and throw the ball 80% of the time again, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think after that first week, they're going to do everything possible to get Ezekiel Elliott involved this week. Yep. So I, I think that, well, El Dak will have an okay game. He, he certainly is not going to have a game requisite of this price tag when there's all those quarterbacks you just mentioned in yes. that same price range that have better matchups. Yeah, and I didn't even mention the Matthew Staffords of the world and stuff like that. So... Yeah, so here's what I did. We have a match, by the way. The first thing I did was I, I, I whittled down from, what was it, four or five quarterbacks down to the one that I wound up going with. And then I, I wrote down Josh Allen as my stay away simply because of those top-priced guys, he's got my least favorite matchup. Um, Miami's actually got a legitimate defense. Yeah, and it's on the road, but I do expect Buffalo because they lost to really have to come, you know, a lot of reasons why I wanted to make him my stay away, but then I talked myself out of it and made my stay away Dak. Because, again, he's only a couple hundred dollars cheaper. I don't think he's got the most upside. There's a lot more of that around him for similar prices. So that's how I fell into Dak, and we got a match. Yep. Uh, who is your value play at quarterback? So my value play at quarterback this week is a quarterback that played really well week one. Um, I don't believe the interception that he threw was on him. I think he was trying to throw it out of bounds. It did wind up costing his team. But at $6,000, I have a hard time not pivoting to Baker Mayfield as my value play. Yeah, that, that definitely wasn't on ba Baker, that last interception there. Uh, and, and when you look at the final numbers, the numbers are kind of pedestrian in terms of the fact that uh, when you look at the number of points scored, the uh, fact of the matter was, yeah. All the players that scored just happened to score on the ground. Right, and that's not going to happen every week. He's still going to, yeah, he's it, still going to throw 30-plus touchdowns, so when are they going to happen? It might as well happen against a Houston team. Yeah, a Houston team that made Trevor Lawrence worthy of being a first-round pick in the NFL. <laughs> exactly. Well, I didn't choose Baker only because <clears throat> I wanted to go a little bit cheaper, and by a little bit cheaper, I mean $2,000 cheaper on DraftKings and the same price on FanDuel. I went with Joe Burrow. Uh, we saw Chicago's beleaguered secondary was just absolutely just demolished by the Rams on Sunday night. No. Uh, now they're going to have to face the three huge receivers that uh, Cincinnati trots out there in Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. And they're going to be starting cornerbacks that are going to be giving up an average of half a foot to these guys. Very true. Um, yeah, I don't say that I dislike that, but now you said that Burrow was $2,000 cheaper. I think you meant $200. No, $200 cheaper. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. That's not enough for me for, to see him go on the road 
versus I like Mayfield playing at home against that team in a game where I do expect them to put up 35 to 40 plus points. Yeah, and th- there's uh, this week here, unlike last week, there's a lot of players near the bottom of the dollar amount that I don't feel super comfortable about. Uh, there's a couple that I'd consider uh, maybe, uh, you know how much I hate Teddy Bridgewater, but he's going to be facing Jacksonville, yep. uh, which certainly puts him in play, although it sounds like they will be without Jerry Judy. Um, I, Indianapolis uh, going to face the Rams. The Rams secondary looked pretty good yesterday, but they didn't look great, uh, at least not as great as I expected. Uh, Sam Darnold is facing a New Orleans secondary that held Aaron Rodgers in check. Now, how much that was Aaron Rodgers being rusty? I actually, uh, I actually don't love that play. <laughs> I, I actually almost made Darnold my value play. I have a good feeling about Darnold this week. Well, I hope you're right because I've got so much exposure to him this year in terms of redraft and uh, and dynasty for that matter. But uh, yep. I'm a little concerned there. All right, let's run on over to running back. Who are you going to pay up for at the running back position? Okay, this is one that was was tricky for me. Because uh, much like you said, you kind of went down the list and you kind of found where you wanted to be. Yep. Well, I was going down the list and I was finding an excuse to not like each of the top four guys on the list there. So I settled on number five on the list, which is uh, Nick Chubb. It's at 7,800 on DraftKings and 8,400 on FanDuel. Uh, you know, for some reason, as we talked about, Urban Meyer decided to not start James Robinson against the league's second worst run defense of 2020. It, it didn't really matter because... The ageless Carlos Hyde and later on Robinson when he got in the game, they still averaged a combined over five yards per carry against the Texans. Oh, yeah. Last year, uh, Cleveland faced Houston one time. In that game, Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined for 38 carries, 230 yards, and a touchdown. So we don't match. I did look at Chubb. I then looked at Austin Eckler, and I was like, I can't pay up for Eckler at 7,300. I just, it's not a pay up. Um, and I, I looked at Chubb, I like Chubb, but at the end of the day, I went, eh, I'd rather play Chubb as a value play possibly. And, and I, <laughs> I thought about that too. <laughs> and, and I didn't, I'm just going to say that I did not. Um, but I, I went with Christian McCaffrey. Look, he's at home, New Orleans, you see what they did. So I think that's going to scare people off of him, the price and what New Orleans did to, um, Green Bay and shutting down their running attack, I think makes people shy away from McCaffrey. But look, he had nine catches for what eighty some yards. He's going to supplement his rushing with that. I just I think that you see him. He winds up getting in the end zone again this week. I think you get three times value for him, even though you're paying, you know, ten grand for him basically. Well, it's interesting you bring up Christian McCaffrey as your payup because he's my stay away this week. Okay. In six in six career meetings with New Orleans. McCaffrey is averaging only 93 combo yards per game. So in other words, half of his performance last week is his six-game average against New Orleans for his career. New Orleans, it wasn't like they just developed a good run defense. They've had a good run defense for about three years now. True. Uh, and, you know, in those six games that McCaffrey's faced New Orleans in his career, he has only four total touchdowns. So it's not like he's still getting touchdowns to add on to those yards. One thing he has done is he's caught it quite a few passes. I think he has 37 receptions over those six games. Now, 93 combo yards a game and two-thirds of a touchdown, well, that would be great for anybody else. 
But those numbers are sub-pedestrian for McCaffrey. That is half of what he produced this week. That is what you're going to get out of your guys that you pay 7500 to 8000 for, not the guy you pay 10000 for. There you go. Harley and I making McCaffrey's play this week clear as mud. Exactly. <laughs> all right, so who, who am I staying away from? Um, it's not all that expensive, but I think that we saw that we can't trust how his usage is going to be at this point yet. So until that clears up a little bit, I'm staying away from James Robinson. Yeah. And, and again, it's I think you you can run the ball against Denver more than you can pass the ball against Denver. But again, his price tag has been inflected up to where it probably should have been going into last week. Right. But unfortunately, they overcorrected it based on the presence of Urban Meyer. Yeah, I just and, and maybe it's a punt on my part saying that's what I'm staying away from. But I just don't see that he should be a six thousand dollar guy at this point. Yeah, I think you can make the same argument for staying away from Miles Sanders, too. He had a pretty good game, but uh, again, we saw the vulture from Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, we know for a fact that Philadelphia likes to use multiple running backs, and they're facing San Francisco. They do. The biggest thing that shocked me with that, and honestly, I'm not that worried about Miles Sanders. Um, the biggest thing that shocked me was seeing Gainwell in the two-minute two offense. That was definitely shocking to me, too. But, you know, Sanders was involved both in the run game and the pass game. He had 15 carries. Gainwell had nine. Um, he, was, he had five targets, four catches, 39 yards. So I think as, I think that'll be fine in the long term. I'm not that scared of Miles. Well, I'm pretty certain we're not going to match on our value play, although we might match on the team that the player plays for. Possible. That's going to be fun. So, all <laughs> right, I've got to choose between Elijah Mitchell Kyle Jusak, <laughs> Raheem Moster, if he's not declared out. You know who my value play is? Trey Sermon? Trey Sermon. <laughs> yes, it's risky. Well, but look how cheap he is. It's risky. I just, everybody else is going to pivot to Mitchell. Nobody's going to be on Sermon. And if Sermon hits, he's the kind of guy that wins you a big sum of money. Well, he is not the guy that I was looking at. He's not in the right team that I was looking at. Uh, okay. I knew he uh, was. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at two guys on the same team, both in the same price range, them being James White and Damian Harris. Now, I think everyone is going to be on Damian Harris because he is, quote-unquote, the featured back there. He's going to get the yardage. But here's my argument for James White. Ramondre Stevenson, well, he's permanently benched after fumbling. Damian Harris actually looked pretty good, and then he fumbled it himself, too. Yes. But while all that was going on, James White did what James White always does. He racked up targets. He racked up receptions. The Jets' revamped run defense, well, they were just made fun of by Christian McCaffrey last week. McCaffrey and Chubba Hubbard combined for 11 catches and 93 receiving yards. Uh, that's all going to be James White's territory this coming week. Uh, last year, the Jets allowed the fourth most running back receptions, a lot of which went to James White in their two meetings with uh, New England. So I, I like James White a lot at 4,600, where you get the full point PPR on DraftKings. Absolutely gorgeous. So I'm going to tell you, I looked at James White because he's listed on the sheet you provide me with right 
above once one spot above Philip Lindsay, who's right above Trey Sermon. All three of those guys are the same price. So how do I land on Sermon? Because I like James White. I actually have him on a couple best ball leagues. Because I think that you see White, and I, I just I see him. He could be solid. I just don't see that blow up type game, right? I think that mm-hmm. Sermon gives you that. Like everybody's off of him. We don't know exactly why. He didn't play and wasn't active. But you know what? If Mostert's out, he's going to be active this week. And you know that Shanahan plays the hot hand. Maybe Sermon is a little more, you know, ready to kick it because he missed week one and wants to show off. I just saw more upside on Sermon, and I try to put upside in that cheap value play spot. Well, and I will say this. Wherever you go on this thing, I like James White a lot more on DraftKings because of the full PPR. Sure. versus FanDuel, where it's only half point point per reception. Uh, so in that case there, if I was choosing between multiple players, I'd probably tend towards uh, either uh, Harris or possibly Sermon there, too, at, at FanDuel versus White. Yeah, and I feel like we should have talked about this earlier, too, but, like, running backs are winding up in running back fumble jail, right? Yes. Well, again, there's certain teams, yes. like Tampa Bay and, and New Bill. England, where yeah. it's a given that if you fumble the ball, you're toast. But, hey, if you're a kicker and you miss, you know, field goals and extra points, I guess you're okay. You don't go to jail because they don't carry another kicker. Otherwise, Greg Zerline be in trouble. Um, <laughs> all right, so you ready to head on over to wide receiver? Yes. I had trouble with my pay up at wide receiver, honestly. Liked a couple guys, could talk myself out of a couple guys. Um, I wound up landing on a guy that, he doesn't have the best matchup in the world, but that doesn't always tend to stop him. Um, I, I did so because I think this team needs more of a win. I think they'll want to make a statement. I went with Stefan Diggs as my play up, my pay up. I, I didn't love the matchup there, but I kind of agree. Um, I looked at him. I looked at DeAndre Hopkins. Again, I obviously I chose Kyler Murray as my pay up quarterback, so... Choosing Hopkins would certainly be an option. Uh, ultimately, I went with the third guy on the DraftKings price list, DK Metcalf at 7,600, uh, facing Tennessee. Uh, we just saw Tennessee allow both DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk to score twice. Last year, the Titans allowed the fourth most wide receiver receptions, the seventh most wide receiver receiving yards, and the ninth most wide receiver receiving touchdowns. They also had more two different receiver 100-yard games than any other team in the league last year. So in, in case Tyler Lockett has a decent game, which we know won't happen, uh, they still have a chance of having two good receivers this week. Yeah, because, I mean, does Tyler Lockett ever have good weeks back-to-back? Well, I think he might come up for conversation here and might stay away, which is Tyler Lockett. Guess what? We have another match. <laughs> yes. Tyler Lockett just blew up. Yes, Tennessee's secondary was just scorched. But this is Tyler Lockett. Lockett has 10 career regular season games where he has either topped 100 receiving yards or scored and or scored two or more rushing, uh, rushing, receiving touchdowns. So either 10 games where he's either had 100 receiving yards or scored two or more touchdowns or both. In the 10 games following those 10, these are his lines. Three catches, 38 yards. Five catches, 55 yards, one touchdown. Two catches, 38 yards. Two catches, 10 yards. 
One catch, 52 yards and a touchdown. Four catches, 51 yards. Here's the outlier. 13 catches, 152 yards and two touchdowns one week. Then three catches, 26 yards. One catch, 12 yards. Four catches, 33 yards. That all works out to an average performance of four catches and 47 yards with a total of only four touchdowns. If you take that one outlier game out of that ledger, he's averaged three catches and 35 yards over games following a huge performance. He'll go for 12 and 180 with three touchdowns this week. But yes, he's my stay away for all the same reasons you just said. And I love Tyler Lockett. I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the league, but he's not somebody that's consistent enough to be able to go, let's, let's plug him in there. And in DFS, it's you don't have such to. an amazing trend. I mean, you, you think about like trends where it's like you, you can always look up numbers to support whatever trend you want to. And, and I mean, people will say statistics is the biggest form of lying possible. It, it, it's partially true. But when you get to the point where you've had nine games out of ten and they've all been completely horse bleep after going off as big as he's done in his other ten games, it's no longer just a well, an uh, obscure occasion. It's, it's trend. Yes and no. Um, it's still a small sample size, theoretically. But if you look at the odds, they don't favor it. So that's why you just you wind up saying it's just not worth it. And in DFS, you can do that in season long. He's in your lineup. Um, I think we're going to match on value play. Interesting. Because I'm going with a guy that has opportunity due to injury. Um, and it was one of those guys that, okay, is it going to be this guy or that guy that you take as a late wide receiver filler for your best ball leagues? And wasn't sure if it should be Tim Patrick or – or K.J. Hamler, guess what? Hamler's the pick. He, he's going to be the guy that benefits the most with Judy out, and if he's going to be out at least this week, take advantage of it. He's got a good matchup, and I think that he's a sharp play for the price that you have to pay to get him in your lineups. I 100% agree with that pick, but it is not a match. <laughs> Again, I, I like Bridgewater's matchup this week. I, I still cannot get behind him throwing for more than one touchdown regularly. Maybe he'll throw for two again this week. That'll be quite amazing if he does. Uh, but I did think I did think about Hamler. I, I agree. I think he's going to be the one to benefit most. Uh, Patrick looked okay last week. He looked okay last season, given a chance to play some when uh, Sutton was out. But, uh, yeah, the guy I decided to go with was your value play from last week, Rondell Moore. And here's why. Uh, I really like to stack my top quarterback. Yep. But I also, I like to run it back against my top stack with the opposing team's top receiver, which I think this week is going to once again be Adam Thielen. So to pay up for Adam Thielen at wide receiver one, I really can't afford to also have DeAndre Hopkins in my lineup. So I have to choose either Rondale Moore or Christian Kirk as my stack wide receiver with Kyler Murray in that combination play. And when you look at more is cheaper than both of them. Yep. And in this matchup here, I think he's just as likely to burn the Minnesota secondary as Kirk or Hopkins is. Yeah. I didn't get what I expected from Rondell Moore last week, but Hey, I think he still had four catches or four targets or something like that. So it wasn't like he was not, well, he ended up with 68 yards. Yeah. So I think it was four for 68. Now think about if he's the one that gets those touchdowns that Kirk got, it's a huge day. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that's not, I, I don't disagree with that play. I like it. 
Um, okay, so what do we've got? We've got two matches going into tight end, so the under hits. Yes. Not that that's always a good thing, but the under hits. Um, I guess we should ask in the future, how many are we going to have that of the pay up stay aways where one of us pays up for a guy that the other stays <laughs> away from. Um, so at tight end, go ahead and tell me who you're paying up for. Uh, I, I went down the price tag list a little bit this week. Uh, my pay up, uh, I'm still taking a guy who is at uh, 4,200 on DraftKings, which is the eighth highest on DraftKings at 5,700 on FanDuel. He's one, two, three, four, Fifth highest right now at 5700. I'm paying up for Noah Font, and for much the reason why you're wanting to play KJ Hamler, I'm going with the other guy who I think I benefits most from the injury to Jerry Judy, and that's Noah Font. Uh, when Judy went down, Font picked up the slack. He he a lot of catches there. Plus, I, I was just kind of looking at the uh, game last week, uh, Jacksonville versus Houston. And something called Pharaoh Brown posted four catches for 67 yards. What's a Pharaoh Brown? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where did he come from? I, I mean, isn't I, I, I hate to say this. I always thought Jordan Aikens was the tight end to own in, in Houston, but apparently Pharaoh Brown is the guy. <laughs> yep. So I can't go that low on a payout, man. And I know it's all relative. But when I look at it, I see Waller at 76, Kittle 64, Pitts 52, and then everybody else is sub 4,000. So in my mind, I've got to look at I'm paying up for one of those three guys. Not paying I hope up, you're paying up for Pitts because no one's going to be on him. Well, I'm not paying up for Waller going to Pittsburgh. One, I haven't seen Waller play tonight when, we're, when I made my picks, right? So the game's only partially going on. And God forbid you don't, you don't know if he's going to get hurt. Hopefully he doesn't. Pitts, he can't have a worse week one. I would think they'd try to get him more involved. But you're still not sure. Yeah, he's $1,200 cheaper than Kittle. Philly, we know, has had issues in the past guarding tight ends. I'm playing George Kittle this week. Nothing wrong with that. And now watch. Brandon Ayak's going to have 20 targets, and Kittle's going to yeah. play like three snaps, and Ross Gwelly will take over. <laughs> Kittle minimally, you're looking at five for 75 and a touchdown. That's always kind of been his floor, yes. So that's, I think that's what you get out of him this week. As far as stay away, um, I mentioned him already. At $7,600, there's no, we, no need whatsoever to pay up for Darren Waller. Not with all those uh, other did, fantastic plays. We did match on that, uh, Darren Waller, 7600 It's not a horrible price for Darren Waller, who's no. always a threat to post a 10, 100, and 1 performance. But last year, I mean, I should say, Pittsburgh allowed the third fewest receptions to the position, the second fewest receiving yards to the tight end position, and the fewest receiving touchdowns to all tight ends last year. Waller's an elite tight end. 7,600 will most weeks sell seem like a steal for Darren Waller. Uh, just if you play him, know that you're not going to get – normal Darren Waller production. You're going to get probably 2x performance. So you're probably going to get about 15 or 16 points from and the chances of hitting three times the 20-21 point range is much slimmer. Yeah, and I look at it this way too. There's a lot of running backs and wide receivers in that six, seven, eight thousand dollars range that 
I wouldn't mind putting a couple studs in my lineup. And to do that, you're going to have to scrimp somewhere else, right? So I will say this with uh, with Darren Waller. One interesting thing here is that very seldom do you see a player's FanDuel price at tight end cheaper than their DraftKings price. True. And the bargain basement tight ends on FanDuel are right around the $5,000 mark, whereas on DraftKings you get those same guys for like $2,500 to $3,000. So if you're playing just the, the averages uh, on the various sites at $7,000, $6,000 cheaper than DraftKings, Waller actually makes an interesting play on FanDuel because, again, you're never going to see him that cheap again. So I look at it this way. I see, and you said 6000 you meant 600 I see it as an indicator that says, red light, stay away. Because um, you don't ever see something like that happen. So, it could be wrong. Um, you'll get your points. I just don't think he's going to get you, like, like I don't think he's going to get you 2.5, 3.5 times value. So. Now this will be interesting to see who we go with our value play here. Oh, my value play is not a value play. I did not play. choose. I did not choose Pharaoh Brown. My, my <laughs> value play is not a value play. He's only six hundred dollars cheaper than your damn play up. <laughs> who, who you, who's your value play? Well, my value play is twelve hundred dollars cheaper than my pay up. How about that? <laughs> okay, who is it? I'm going to go with Adam Troutman. Uh, you know, it remains to be seen if DraftKings will ever move Juwan Johnson to tight end eligibility. As of right now, he only qualifies at wide receiver on DraftKings, and he only qualifies at tight end on FanDuel. Now, DraftKings has put multiple position players before. Uh, Cordero Patterson's available both at running back and wide receiver. So it's possible that at some point, Juwan Johnson will gain tight end eligibility. He hasn't yet. In the short term, uh, I got to take Adam Troutman going up against Carolina. He's cheaper than Johnson, and he's I, I think Johnson at the wide receiver position, probably lined up at wide receiver three, will have a higher ownership rate than Adam Troutman this week at tight end uh, because of his two touchdowns last week. Now, Carolina allowed Tyler Croft and Ryan Griffin to combine for six catches last week. Troutman's got more skill than either of those two guys. Plus, uh, what people might not realize is that, well, Juwan Johnson had those two touchdowns, Troutman led the Saints in targets last week. So if Traquan Smith misses another week, I, I think Troutman's in line for a six-catch, probably another 40, 50 yards, and possibly a touchdown this week. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I like the price. I paid more. Um, I looked at Chris Herndon at $2,900. I just don't feel safe with him yet, still getting his feet under him in Minnesota. Um, Farrell Brown factored into my thought process, though. But not because who Farrow Brown is playing this week because of who he played last week and how the person I'm picking played last week. I think he's going to have a solid season. Got off to a good start. I like David and Joku to see um, pay dirt this week on top of, you know, productive four catches for 50, 60 yards. What's interesting here is before I chose Adam Trutman, I had actually written up David and Yoku as my pick this week. But I then started to think about the fact that David and Joku isn't even the number one tight end on his own team. He may not even be the number two tight end on his own team. Now, ultimately, he performed really well last week, and it's a good matchup this week. So I did seriously consider him, and I, I had him written up as David Nyoku as my pick for value play tight end. And then I just thought to myself, you know, well, this could be the week that it's Austin Hooper, or this could be the week that's Harrison Bryant, and 
And I just had to say, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and Joku, had, he led the team in targets, tied Landry and Schwartz with five each. His five were the combined total of Hooper and Bryant. Um, yes, it could be any one of those guys any given week. I think that we see Njoku really separate himself this year and become more of a target and weapon for um, Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Well, I think he's playing for a contract this year, so that always helps. it's definitely in his best interest to go out there and perform, whether it be back with Cleveland or I know at least this preseason he talked about wanting to be traded. So he may be looking to increase his value on the open market come this offseason. So far, so good. He looked good. He really did. Um, well, you know what? We've waited a long time to get to this point, and the show's a little long this week, but so be it. I'm sure hopefully people will understand and like it. Um, forgive us of our impasses earlier, not knowing names and screwing people up and all that kind of stuff. I guess we're kind of like... I, I, I'm going to have to go out and get Derek Thomas jersey now just because I'm upset with myself for not doing that one. There you go. <laughs> so you look at that. I did my part to help the economy. Um, but, yeah, I kind of feel like any little mis- mistakes we had, we can just say that we were kind of like playing like Aaron Rodgers. But with that, I'll tell you, um, this week you have any questions and trying to figure out what to do for week two, reach out to Harley at Nuclear Harley. You can reach out to me at Steve Gallo NFL. And, of course, all kinds of stuff to help you win at the huddle, so join the huddle. And you know what? Until next week, get Blitz responsible. Cheers. <laughs>